0: Hello! Welcome back to Jumble for Week 8, Episode 8. Not a lot going on this week. We had some more March Madness games. One of the more uneventful March Madnesses this year. I mean, the first round was pretty cool. We had some great upsets, like especially the Oral Roberts one, Loyola Chicago, which they were the favorite because they were an A-C, but making another run at it. And we had some interesting teams make it, but it just seems like since we hit the Sweet 16, I mean, it's been a little bit boring. been a little bit boring. I'm very unenthused with how it's went this year, and it's not anyone's fault, but it's just unfortunate that we haven't seen a lot of heavy hitters being forced to play each other, and we're probably not going to we get to the final four here so I'm very interested to see that and we'll definitely talk about it when it occurs but we have more NFL content for you guys today we have another top 30 I've made my top 30 NFL players so eight of these you should have already heard if you listened to episode four where I listed my top three chargers and my top five other players that didn't play for the chargers including one honorable mention So, that being said, you know nine of these players already. However, there's 21 new guys you don't know, and I've stacked them up against those nine. I've made a list in all the order, and it's 30 again, which devotes two minutes to everyone, even though not everyone gets the two minutes, and some players get a little bit more. The only thing, disclaimer on this list, as I made with the last one, a few disclaimers for one, it is my favorites, so you're going to see some... You know, some weird stuff like players that wouldn't be ahead of other players in any other list that's ever been made. And there's one particular player that's in the low 20s that, you know, is one of the best players of all time. Secondly, this is something that changes constantly, same as the NBA one. If I made this list tomorrow, a player that's number 25 could potentially be 14. And last disclaimer, I figured there would be a lot more like 2010s early 2010s players on this list, and when I looked at, I even went through my cards to just see if there was any players I'd forgotten about, and I did find some, but it still mostly ended up being a lot of new players, which is probably good, because you guys should know just about all of these players. I don't think there's anyone on here, other than maybe one guy that you probably don't know. That being said, we're going to jump right into it, and we're going to knock up this top 30. So, coming in at the last spot, holding down number 30, we have Jamal Adams. So, Jamal Adams has been a jet his whole career up until this last year with the Seahawks. And a lot of people were very upset with Jamal Adams through the entirety of the year because of how bad he was in coverage. And I'm not here to defend what Jamal Adams does in coverage because it is atrocious He got burnt by third-string receivers, and the Seahawks were having to make some major accommodations to their entire defense because of Jamal Adams when he gets dropped down in coverage. But when you let Jamal Adams rush the quarterback, when you let Jamal Adams apply some pressure, he becomes instantly probably the best safety in the entire NFL when you're talking about in that specific aspect of football led the NFL in safety sacks I think he broke a record I'd say even if not for sacks tackles for losses or tackles in the backfield the guy's just a heavy hitter and you may have picked up from some of my other list these guys that run hard and hit fast I don't say you can't like them I mean Jamal Adams he runs his mouth sometimes I, I don't think he's bad as a lot of other players and A lot of the time, he's just defending himself because he gets so much crap. But I really like Jamal Adams, and he takes the number 30 spot on this list. Number 29, Odell Beckham Jr. So when you think of Odell Beckham Jr. now, you think of the injured one on the Browns. But you have Odell Beckham on the Giants. I can't believe that catch. It's been like six years ago now, maybe. It's been a long time. It's shocking. I think he was on the cover of Madden 13 with that one-handed catch, but that just revolutionized football. Maybe not for the better because now, you know, especially kids growing up playing football in middle school, high school, whatever, they want to catch the ball one-handed. And it's clearly more ideal to use two hands and secure the ball, but people want to have that Odell Beckham moment where they're falling in the back of the end zone and they just rip it down with one hand. And just for what that did to revitalize a lot of people's love for football, you know, just going out in the yard, throwing the football with some friends, trying to recreate that Odell Beckham catch as I I don't really throw football anymore, but anytime I do, I'm always trying to make a one-handed grab. So That just did a lot for me and my enjoyment of playing football, even not in a real game sense. So I'll close in on number 29 with Odell Beckham. Number 28, another receiver. A little bit of a different style. Uh, Odell Beckham's a lot of speed, although he does have the hands. But one of the best of all time, Julio Jones at number 28. Unfortunately, similar to Larry Fitzgerald, who is not on this list, just kind of a wasted career. I mean, he did get to that one Super Bowl. And even in that Super Bowl, he made some incredible plays. But, you know, all that Super Bowl is ever going to be remembered for is being up 28-3 to and blowing it to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Of course, there's no one else. Like, even though that is bad, at least it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick because it's going to a lot more be attributed to how great they are as opposed to how bad the Falcons blew Like, it would be a lot worse if they lost to somebody else. But Julio Jones has managed to have a really great longevity. I think he's 32 now. And he's just been great for all these years. Still pulling down incredible catches, pulling the ball down. Like, there's just one play, and it's Luke Keekley And Cam – or, sorry, not Cam Newton, because I was thinking that was who their quarterback was at the time. Matt Ryan throws a terrible ball. And it's right – like, it's going to fall – in Luke's lap, and Julio Jones is behind him, and he reaches his arms over Luke Kuechly and grabs the ball from him before he can get to it, and then I'm sure you've all seen that play in the back right corner of the end zone where him and I think a Patriots receiver actually, or Patriots corner, have a hold of the ball. It may not be the Patriots, but he just rips it away from him. <laughs> I mean, he just he just takes it. Didn't even really look like it took that much effort, so that he just he's a player that I've grown up watching who still plays, so... I definitely have a lot of love for Julio Jones, and he's going to fall a little low, but 28. Another player that competed against Julio Jones in that division at the number 27 spot is Cam Newton. Cam Newton got on my nerves really bad back in his Panthers days because I I never minded the celebrating stuff, but, you know, he'd be dabbing and doing the first down celebrations. I hate the first down celebrations in and of itself. But then the next game... (laughs) He'd come out and they'd be down seven and he would just he wouldn't have the same attitude. Like it just seemed like he just wanted to go home. And that that bothered me a lot. But the reason that I do give him twenty seven, even though I'm not a Carolina Panther fan, it did do a lot for Carolina Panther football because they got Cam with the first pick. Uh I can't remember the year, maybe two thousand twelve, but Carolina football was real bad before that. I mean, it, it was pretty pitiful and he came in and revitalized it a lot, you know, with Steve Smith, and he he just did a lot for the state of North Carolina. So that's why I I do have an appreciation for Cam Newton. That's probably the best way that I can put it. After Cam Newton at the number twenty six spot, we got Beast Mode Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch back in his Seahawk days was incredible. He just, he'd blow up the hole, you know, find ways to make incredible plays, shed off tackles like I've probably never seen anyone else do. And he was just so entertaining to watch. And he's, he's hilarious. I mean, eating the Skittles on the sidelines, which it's crazy that it actually helps your performance. But he was just such an entertaining player, his press conferences. But the main thing is just for how he bounce runs. Like he just run into somebody, just feeling like he would bounce off of them fall into another guy, bounce off him, spin, hurdle, touchdown. He's like, how did he manage to do that? How did he get away? And he just always seemed to do incredible stuff like that. Even um, another infamous moment when Russell Wilson throws that pick to Malcolm Butler to lose the Super Bowl, Marshawn Lynch had been killing the Patriots all game. Like They had done a great job stopping Russell Wilson and neutralizing Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. But the one guy they couldn't stop all game was Marshawn Lynch, which made it even more confusing as to why they threw that ball. My theory to that is that because they hadn't stopped Marshawn all game, the Patriots thought they were going to run commit, or the Seahawks thought the Patriots were going to run commit. So uh, Pete Carroll tried to like outbrain billichick and say, we're going to throw it because they think we're going to run it. And a good lesson I think you can take for that is you can't ever out football Bill Belichick. You just can't. And Russell Wilson throws a pick, and they lose. But moral of the story, my 26 favorite players, Marshawn Lynch and Pete Carroll's an idiot. But moving on from Marshawn Lynch, another running back at number 25, LaShawn McCoy. I mentioned LaShawn McCoy in... Another episode where I was talking about Deshaun Jackson when I was referring to the team with Mike Vick, LaShawn, and Deshaun Jackson. He just he was a great combo back. Like he got out. It seemed like he ran his routes really well. And he was a quick guy. Like, I don't know. He he didn't bounce tackles very well, to be honest with you. He got most of the time, if you hit LaShawn McCoy, he was going down. But it seemed like once LaShawn McCoy got into that second level where there's secondary, where there's corners and there's safeties, it seemed like nobody ever touched him. Now, if you're hitting LaShawn McCoy within the first five yards, he's probably going down. But once he breaks into that second level, it just you're you're in for a world of trouble because it's going to be really hard for you to catch him with the momentum that he's had because he, he was a hard runner. I mean, that's why I like him. He, he just seemed to put so much effort into every single run. And that's why he gets the 25th spot as opposed to Marshawn Lynch. 24, another player I've mentioned a couple times, a player that I feel like goes really underrated when you're talking about all the time. Marcus Colston. I can count on one hand the amount of times that people have mentioned Marcus Colston to me when talking about great receivers. And the one time was a guy that's a Saints fan, so that explains it. I would be willing to say, if you could ask Drew Brees, who his favorite target of his whole career was, it'd be one of two people. Jimmy Graham, who's not on the list, or Marcus Colston. It just seemed like every time I watched a Panthers game, a Falcon game, because those are the games that come on TV here, that Marcus Colston is just killing these guys. Incredible route running, and he just has the numbers. I I don't have a lot of memory of specific plays because it's been so long, but I just remember him destroying the Panthers and the Falcons and being an absolute force when Drew Brees was throwing these passes to him. I mean, Drew Brees is a money quarterback. He puts the ball where it needs to go. And when you do that, all your receiver has to do is catch it. And I don't ever remember this guy dropping a ball. So even though he's not on a team that I love or anything, it just I have an appreciation for that type of player. So – he closes in on that spot. Next, after Marcus Colston. This is uh when I was referring to an all-time great on the list that's kind of low. I actually thought he was lower than this, but he's coming in at number 23. A very loved Madden card in Mutt. Uh, you got Deion Sanders. <clears throat> I don't have a lot to say about Deion Sanders, Considering he was long before my time, but you do see the highlights, you see the numbers. He's even coaching now, having a lot of great success coaching. Probably the greatest corner of all time. And that's that's just why here. He played for Florida State, my favorite college football program. And he's another guy that talked a lot of crap and backed it up. And I respect that a lot when you have the confidence to trash talk people and then just be able to back it up and not get burnt. I can, You can probably count on one hand the amount of times you can find that Deion Sanders got burnt in his career. The guy's incredibly fast and a great player, and again, I just love the cornerback position, so Deion Sanders closes in on that spot. Next after that, I would say this guy's my favorite safety in the game right now, specifically because of one play that made me start really paying attention to this guy and liking his play style. Here we have Buda Baker, safety for the Arizona Cardinals. There's a play. You can try and go find it. I don't know what you'd Google or what you'd search to find it, but they're playing the Seahawks, I do believe. And they just they run like a halfback dive, just a basic halfback dive. And the halfback, he probably breaks it nine yards. And Buda Baker, you see, come from the back left. Like, if you're on defense, the back left. Full speed, full speed, and just pops him, pops him. I mean, hard, so hard that it would have hurt Buddha Baker himself. And I've just—that's probably the hardest hit. I mean, it's not one of those hits where somebody's helmets comes off or they fall really, really hard. But you could tell just he puts so much force into it. One of the hardest hits I've ever seen. And he goes over to the sidelines because I think he might—he might have stopped the first down. That's why I went to side. and you see Chandler Jones over there. And Chandler, how did you do that? And the guy just says, no fear, no fear. And from watching that play, he definitely had no fear because he just, man, he he flew in there. And I know that had to hurt. (laughs) There's no way that didn't hurt as hard as he hit him. So I have a ton of respect for somebody being able to have that little fear to be able to do that. Because even these professional level athletes, there's some things you just don't do. And I generally feel like that would be one of them and he did it, and he was very successful at it, and, you know, good for Buda Baker. One of my more classic players slipping in at number 21. This, I would say Jerry Rice is probably the best receiver of all time simply because of the accolades, but this guy I think is number two or three with hardly any accolades, retired very early, and if you would have kept playing... (laughs) I think would have been undoubtedly the second best receiver of all time, if not overtaking Jerry Rice at the first. This guy was just that good. We have Megatron Calvin Johnson. If you guys ever watch this guy, he's just the classic big dude that just gets the ball and you throw it to him. He didn't have, not that he was slow, but he wasn't known for burning people or being slow, but... I mean, gosh, you just threw it up to him, and it didn't matter how many people were on him. He just got the ball somehow every single time. When Madden started coming out with franchise mode, and this is one of the players that I loved in Madden, and you got to pick your team, I would pick this guy first every time. If I had the first pick in the draft, I picked him. If he was there with whatever pick I had, I picked him. Because the thing is, when you had Calvin Johnson, your quarterback didn't really matter. The only way Calvin Johnson wasn't getting the ball is if it was a short throw, like you underthrew him and he couldn't get to it. If it was an arm's length of Calvin Johnson to where he could just touch the ball, I would dare say 95% of the time he's going to catch it. <laughs> he was just that dominant. There's a picture that floats around on Instagram. It pops up on my page from time to time. It says, we'll have the receiver talk again when we see this level of dominance. And it shows Calvin Johnson on one side of the field, and I think it was the Rams had lined three people up to cover this man. Now, there's no highlight of the play, so I don't know what happened, but that's how good this guy was. You Normally, we have 1v1s, and when – a receiver is astounding and having a great game. Like, nowadays, Stefan Diggs is having a great game. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, whatever. We'll double-team him. I think it's probably the only time I can ever say I've seen a receiver get triple-teamed. So, just for the level of dominance this guy showed, I give this spot to Calvin Johnson. Number 20, about to close out the 20s. Um, this guy's a new player, just entering the league a short time ago, but a player that I really love and I have loved coming out of college, Saquon Barkley. Just this guy's physicals, and I don't – this isn't something I would say about every player coming in, even though you could make the argument for anybody because you can make the argument for anything as far as potential goes. I genuinely think that Saquon Barkley has the potential to be one of the greatest running backs of all time. Now, I'm not going to put a number on it and say top five, top ten, whatever. But just coming out of college, like you see the lifting videos at Penn State, this speed. Uh, Last year in fantasy football, I actually took him first with my pick, and then he tore his ACL. But I just continue to be impressed with Saquon. And not only for the football, he's just an incredible person. He spends his time trying to make people's days better. You see videos he's made for people, help talking to kids. I think there was a -A Make-A-Wish kid that he did something for. And then even outside of that, just how incredible he is on the football field. He's one of the players like Derrick Henry's this way too. And Derrick Henry as of right now is definitely better. But think about Christian McCaffrey. I love Christian McCaffrey. But Christian McCaffrey is mostly a bounce it to the outside guy, You know, make a move, throw the ball to him, and let him work that way. Now, Christian McCaffrey has worked and got a lot bigger and better, and you can give it to him up the hole, and he will succeed. But Saquon, I think, is even better in that aspect. Saquon, you can give it to the outside, he can hurdle somebody, make somebody miss, keep going. But he can also go up the hole and knock somebody on their hind end. And just that versatility to me makes him a player I really love to watch because you never know what he's going to do. Closing, That's closing out the 20. Saquon at number 20. Um, moving on to number 19. Kind of a sad one here just because of recent events. We have Vincent Jackson, um, one of my favorite Chargers of all time, which I, I love a lot of Chargers players, but this guy just – as weird as it is – I feel like a lot of people may have this experience. I played football for two years. I played my third grade year, and I played my sixth grade year. I've always been more of a basketball guy, and I've let you guys know that. So a lot of my attachment to football comes from Madden because my constant attachment to football is that I'm playing Madden regardless of how much football I've watched on TV this year, how much I've went outside and thrown with my dad or my friends or whatever. I'm going to play the new Madden. And back in Madden 12, the best Madden of all time, you'll never convince me otherwise, there was this play. And I really wish I had Kendall on this episode because he would tell you about it because nobody could ever stop it. And I played him Madden more than anyone. It was called Flood. So what I have is Philip Rivers. I got Damian Tomlinson out of the backfield to just do whatever. Got Vincent Jackson on a streak on the far right. And then on the slot was Antonio Gates who ran an out route. Unstoppable. You would hit Vincent Jackson on 80-yard bombs constantly because everybody wanted to double-team Antonio Gates because of his greatness. But I love this guy. I love playing with him in Madden, and I think he was really underrated, probably a top-ten receiver at his peak, like I've said before. But he, he was awesome, and, of course, he died from the alcohol and drug abuse here in Tampa, Florida recently, which is very sad. But I definitely want to include him on my list Rest in peace, Vincent Jackson, a player that I will remember forever simply because of the flood play. But he also did have a lot of incredible moments on the field. I think he's another one of Philip River's favorite targets once you look past Antonio Gates. Moving on, another player that played for the Chargers, we have Robert Meacham. He was there for one year or two, very, very minimal amount of time, and a very, very minimal amount of impact. He wasn't that great. <laughs> he wasn't that great. The reason he's on my list is he's one of the players, I think, I can't remember, he either went from the Chargers to the Saints or the Saints to the Chargers. I'm thinking he was at the Saints first and then went to the Chargers afterwards. And he didn't do great things to the Saints, but it just seemed like when Drew Brees got him in the ball, he made some incredible plays. So when he was coming into the Chargers, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be awesome. Like, I thought he was going to be incredible. So I put a lot of chips on the table for this guy to be good. And it didn't really pan out that well. Um, It's unfortunate that it went that way, but I attached myself to him to the point in believing him to where when he would do anything, regardless of how minimal it was, I got excited about it. So it's a player I've maintained a love for because it's one of the first players that I really believed in to do a lot. I think if he would have been put in a better situation on a team that didn't already have receivers, he might have. However, I still love him nonetheless. So, Robert Meacham is going to close in on number 18 there. 17. And this one's hard for me because I really I want this player to be higher. I'm thinking out of everyone left on this list, and there may be current day players left on this list, because... For example, the player above Kyler Murray, who I can't say, is still in the league, but no longer in his prime. And number eight is the same way. I would, I'll would, i put it this way, and I'll, I'll phrase it the best I can so you guys understand. This player is my current favorite player in the league because a lot of the other guys are in their prime. And then there are some guys that are in the the league here that play for the Chargers, or sorry, no, the Chargers ones are pretty much gone. Uh, one of them's still here. But then all the other ones are Florida State players. So the reason I like these guys is because they play for my favorite programs. So as far as players that play for my favorite programs and Chargers players that are above him, those, those guys are cool. But other than that, this guy's my favorite player in the league, not counting the other two that are not in their prime anymore. The, the best player in their prime in the league. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But you'll, you'll see what I mean is I reveal players on the list. But this one is Kyler Murray. I really like Kyler Murray. When we were talking to Kendall and I think, the first episode I had him on, I think it was two, we were talking about teams that we needed to make another move, and one of mine was the Cardinals. I really believe in this kid. I, I genuinely do. When I watched him at Oklahoma, one of the first games that turned on, he, I just turned it on, and they were probably at the 30, 40-yard line, struggling, and it was in a really high-scoring game. He drops back. And he probably waits six, seven seconds, and he takes off and runs like a 60-yard touchdown. And he just moved faster than I feel like i would ever seen a quarterback move. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I said, I wonder if he can throw the ball. So they give up a pretty easy touchdown next session, get the ball back, run a couple of plays. They're like at the 45, I think, and he throws a 50, 60-yard bomb for a touchdown right on the money. And I'm like, okay, this kid can play. And just ever since then, I've really enjoyed watching Kyler ever since he's been in the league. I love that he's not that big, which was a big criticism on him when he was coming into the league. But I like that about him because I'm a little guy too. I'm not very tall. So I like watching somebody with that stature just compete at this level and be as amazing as he is. I really believe in this guy. I think he's going to win a Super Bowl at some point. I'm not saying next year. I'm not saying the year after. I have no time frame on it but I do think he is a Super Bowl caliber player, championship caliber player, and I'm thoroughly, thoroughly excited to watch how this player develops throughout his career because I only think he's going to get better and his throwing's going to get better when his legs give out. So Kyler Murray closes in on number 17. Number 16. This is a player, like I said, he's still in the league, but he is not in his prime anymore. This is Patrick Peterson. Like I've said, I love the corner. I love the cornerback position. So it makes sense to have one of the greatest all-time corners here. However, the reason he's here is not because of his cornerback play. You don't see many corners. Well, I think Deion Sanders probably did this. He's re- he returned. And even outside of the return, and most players, where they get good, like Tyreek Hill probably returned. Or he no, he definitely did. Because I remember that Jalen Ramsey press conference where he was saying about he's gonna have against Turner. Tyreek Hill started off his career returning punts and kicks. People saw how fast he was and yeah, he got some time. But when players start to succeed, they don't do that anymore because you put yourself at a lot of risk to punt returning, and kick return. But even after Patrick Peterson established himself as a lockdown corner and somebody you don't want to see lined up against you, he continued to return punts and kicks. He still did it. And he broke off a lot of incredible plays doing such. He was one of the most fun players to watch return, and he was a defensive back. It's just not something you see. So I, it's something that when you were watching it, when it was happening, you just knew it was special because you weren't going to see it much more from any other players. And then he returns one. Carson Palmer throws an interception the next play, and he's right back on in the field doing his very best to lock down Calvin Johnson, and nobody ever did it successfully. But he made it a lot harder to throw to Calvin Johnson or some of these other incredible receivers, like, say, even Marcus Colston. He did a great job at his position and outside his position when you would stick him back there to return. Cracking into the top half, our first 16, Number 15, another corner, Darrell Revis. I think Darrell Revis has a great shot to go down as one of the greatest of all time in the cornerback position, like probably top three. There's a graph. It's another Instagram thing that floats around, and it shows like notable receivers held to less than however many yards. And it's Darrell Revis defending them, and it's like Calvin Johnson, three catches, 12 yards. Uh, Randy Moss, Marcus Colston, Julio Jones. And there's five of them. I can't remember all the names. But he held all these guys to very, very, very low amounts of yardage. He is incredible. I just – Darrell Rivas is going to go down as one of the most underappreciated players of all time because when you hear people talk about corners, it just again, it's not a name that you hear come up. And, no, he's not Deion Sanders. But he's about as close as you could ever get. I, again, it may just be me because of how much I love the cornerback position. But there's just no one to me that was more fun to watch. This guy would get up in these receivers' faces, cover them, make picks, make tackles, do exactly what you'd want a defensive back to do and do it two times better. I don't have a lot to say about him because there's not, you know, like Patrick Peterson, he returned, he did this, he did that. The, only, the main thing this guy did, not the only thing, is he just locked down your best receiver every single game. Like, did he have games where people beat him and got an 80-yard touchdown on him? Yeah. If you play the cornerback position, it happens. But I don't think anybody has been a better lockdown corner than him in their entire career by a large margin. Moving on from number 15, Darrell Revis, we have Darren Sproles, number 14. Another little guy coming in, a lot of prospects... Or not prospects, a lot of general managers didn't like Sproles because of his size, and, you know being the size that Darren Sproles was can be a detriment, but he proved that he could still have a great career, going down as one of the greatest returners of all time. And that's what people remember as that, but I remember him more as a running back. So he went to the Eagles and made some incredible plays, playing in the back foot along with LaShawn McCoy, but he was on the Chargers. And this is the thing that makes me appreciate Darren Sproles. There's multiple things, but this is the biggest thing. Kind of like LaShawn McCoy, you don't want to run Darren Sproles up the middle. If you're giving it to Darren Sproles, you want him to bounce it to the outside, make a guy miss, do a spin move, and just try to do what you can. But it seemed like Darren Sproles actually got run up the middle fairly frequently. And he was never afraid to do it, for one. And for two, he actually generally seemed to get some pretty good yards. (laughs) Like it wasn't – I mean, everybody's going to get stood up at the line uh, on occasion – But it didn't seem like every time you were giving it to Darren Sproles, he would get to the big cluster of people, and you'd be like, oh, God, not again. Most of the time, he got six yards, five, six yards. And he just continued to produce, even as an old age, being like a Swiss Army knife. You know, he could line up as a receiver. He could line up in the backfield. He still returned. Just a very versatile player that you definitely wanted to have on your scouting report if you were playing against him. Moving on to number 13 for three consecutive Florida State players. The first one being Jameis Winston. The reason Jameis Winston is here is because he won us a national title. Thank you. Um, He got in a little bit of trouble, but freshman year Jameis Winston has done some things that I've never seen any other quarterback do, whether it be professional or collegiate. There's a lot of plays, (laughs) and I remember, but the biggest one – being there was I think it was against Boston College there was a a defender a defensive lineman quite literally on this man's back like like he was giving him a piggy like Jameis was giving him a piggyback ride the only difference is he wasn't trying to hold on to Jameis he's trying to throw Jameis down on the ground and Jameis just tosses him back goes back and proceeds to throw a touchdown uh this man, he just did some incredible things. And he had a lot of great talent surrounding him, which I think is a big part of the reason he won that Heisman and that national trophy and proceeded to be the number one pick in the draft. But th- this guy was incredible. He did, again, some things I've never seen anyone do. And the biggest part of this being that he did win us a national title. Of course, now he's a backup for the Saints, considering it looks like they want to start Taysom Hill for whatever reason that I don't know But I really do hope he gets another shot. I understand that people don't love Jameis Winston because of the last season that he did get that starting nod. He threw 30 touchdowns along with 30 interceptions, which is not a great margin. It's not even really a good margin. But he done he's not afraid to sling it. He's not afraid to throw the ball. And I think that'll really help Michael Thomas, as I've said before, too. Because the reason he runs so many slants is because that's all Drew Brees was able to throw in these last years of his career. James Winston can uncork the ball and throw it 60 yards. And he's not afraid to. Anybody that throws 30 interceptions is not afraid to throw the ball. Because... I mean, I don't have that mindset. Like, if I was a quarterback, and when I, at the season, saw that I threw 20 picks, I'm not going to be making any more passes that I don't know for a fact that I can make. But Jameis continued to sling them, and I think that he really can be awesome if he gets another chance, and I really hope that he does. On from Jameis Winston, we have a running back in Dalvin Cook. My only collegiate jersey... Football-wise that I have is a Dalvin Cook, number four, Florida State jersey. This guy symbolizes to me the last year (laughs) that Florida State was good. Jameis Winston left. Then the next year, we had DeAndre Francois and Dalvin Cook. They were very good that year. They lost two games they shouldn't have lost, but I do genuinely believe they were the best team in college football They were better than the team that won it that year. And I think they should have got a better bowl game. And because of the losses, they definitely did not deserve to be in the college football plus. But I think if they would have got there, they would have won. I really do. And to me, Dalvin Cook just symbolizes the last year that Florida State was a good football program. (laughs) Um, And I miss that. I really do. Florida State's been struggling really bad. Blamed it on Willie Taggart the whole time. And we got this new coach, and we still suck. So... I still do believe Willie Taggart was a part of the problem. I think Willie Taggart was a horrible coach. And this this new coach does still have Willie Taggart's team, so I actually don't blame him yet. But I want to get back to the greatness. And Dalvin Cook's very good. I I liked him going into the draft. He didn't go to the second round. He slipped. And he's been incredible for the Vikings so far. It's weird that he's higher than Saquon because the difference between him and Saquon to me is, well, for one, Saquon didn't play this year, so Dalvin... Definitely has him in any kind of statistical category, especially for this year. But I just, I don't know if he has all-time great potential. He struggled with injury a lot already, and he does does everything great, but he does nothing amazing. Like, he doesn't go up the middle like Bo Jackson. He doesn't go to the outside like Jamal Charles. You know know what I'm saying? Like, he's very good, but I don't know what his all-time potential is. I really hope he does well, but I just honestly don't know. I genuinely don't. Number 11, a player whose card I have tons of. For some unknown reason, a player that I just I, I love. Yeah, Kelvin Benjamin. I have a Panthers Kelvin Benjamin jersey. I think that was the first ever NFL jersey I bought was that Kelvin Benjamin because I was so excited to have a player like that close to home. I think Kelvin Benjamin is a part of the reason that Jameis Winston was depicted to be as good as he was. And, again, I still think Jameis Winston's really good. But if you go watch his highlight reel, which I I do encourage you to do because it's really incredible, regardless if you like him or you don't, his college highlight reel is incredible. But on a lot of these plays, like when he throws these 60-yard touchdowns that you'll see if you watch it, look who's catching the ball. It's number one every time. (laughs) just about every time. There's a couple plays he makes to the fullback, but the majority of the time, it's number one, going up and catching the ball. That's Kelvin Benjamin. And Kelvin Benjamin is a massive individual. He's very tall. He was very muscular, which in college especially gets you a long way. And there was one year, and again, this is another thing I've said before, Madden overall does not depict everything. But Kelvin Benjamin played one year, second year, Madden, he was an 89 overall. He was going to be awesome, I think. I think he had so much potential. Then he got hurt, and, uh, you know, he it, it, it just never came back from it. It's unfortunate because I think he would have ended up being a top-five receiver in the NFL at his peak. He was just on such a great career trajectory, and he wasn't happy at the Panthers. Went to the Bills, who at the point in time that he went were just a laughing stock. And had drama with Cam Newton after that. And he just he never ended up being what he was supposed to be, but I do still thank him for the game winning national championship touchdown catch. And it it seems disrespectful of mine to put him at eleven because it just seems like I like this guy a lot more. Like I have two major card collections. Kelvin Benjamin, who's here, and the guy that's at number one. So it seems like he should be higher. I'm not sure why he's here. Like I said, this list changes every single day. It just depends on the mood I'm in when I'm making it. Maybe I've been mad at Kelvin Benjamin today for some reason. I don't know. By the way, I Googled it while I was talking about it. The man was 6'5". <laughs> he, he was a massive individual. So I think he's a great part of Jameis Winston, James Winston's college success. Just for the, just for the fun of it, I'm sure all of you know Calvin Johnson, even if you don't know Kelvin Benjamin. So, Kelvin Benjamin is 6'5. Calvin Johnson is also 6'5, commonly known as a huge receiver that just ripped the ball from people. And Julio is 6'3. So, that should give you a little context to just how freaking massive Kelvin Benjamin was. So, there he goes. There, there's that. Then, after Kelvin Benjamin at number 11, we're cracking the top 10. All of these players, but one. Have been in my list before. Number 10 was my honorable mention to my top five, Tavon Austin. Still the best college highlight reel ever. I don't even think it's close. I really don't. Return specialist seems like the fastest man on the planet when he's returning. And they even let him go out of the backfield sometimes. they run like jet sweeps that you'll see with receivers. And I was just always really impressed with what he did. Of course, he played for West Virginia, so a lot of my exposure to Tavon was because of Kendall and Randall watching games with him. But he he was just so entertaining. Like, There's no player ever, this is speaking collegiately, other than maybe Devin Hester, who's an all-time great returner. Every time this man caught a ball as a punt return, kick return, I was like, okay, so he's going to score a touchdown. You're not supposed to score on kick returns and punt returns. It's a really incredibly hard thing to do. And every time they would kick it to this guy, I felt like he was going to. Like, you could see punters and kickers intentionally try to not let him get the ball because he was so hard to tackle. And that's why he closes in on our 10th spot. Number nine, who is number five on my favorite players list, Jalen Ramsey. I'm not going to talk a lot about these guys except for one of them because you haven't heard it before. Um, just an incredible lockdown corner. You guys have picked up the trend that I like players that talk crap and back it up. So far, you you guys know that, and that's Jalen Ramsey to the fullest extent. The the awesome fight with JJ or not JJ uh, AJ Green that all of you enjoyed, whether you admit it or not, because that doesn't happen every day, and when you get to see it, it's pretty cool. So that was awesome, and he just locks people down. He had a whole, or no, that was Josh Norman that had the whole stint with Odell, but he just he does a great job. I'm um, playing. I really miss his Jacksonville days. I think that's when he was at his best. But now he's at the Rams and a part of what's probably going to end up being one of the most dominant defenses of all time with even though Stephon Gilmore did get that defensive player of the year and Stephon Gilmore is a great corner. I still think Jalen Ramsey is the best. And then paired along with Aaron Donald. Like that's just it's it's incredible. That's one of the best defenses ever. So he closes in on that number 9 spot. Number 8 Number three on my list for non-Chargers players that I love, Deshaun Jackson, Speedy, return specialist, which again, you've probably picked up that I like at this point, and he just—he was cocky too, like on a lot of these plays. You'll see him when he burns people because he knows he's faster. He'll just—he'll kind of dance around like all of you guys do, a mad when you're trying to burn clock at the one-yard line. Like, like Deshaun Jackson did that in real life, <laughs> uh, and that incredible punt return against the Giants doing the game after he muffed it, then picked it up and scored a game-winning touchdown on a punt return. This guy was just incredible to watch. He's probably what Tavon Austin was supposed to be. Although I think if Tavon Austin turned out to be what he was supposed to be, he would have been even better. But. That's probably the best depiction of it. Next, we go to... This was number three. I said Deshaun Jackson number three. He's number four. This guy's number three. Steve Smith, another trash talker, little guy. I, I don't have a lot to say about Steve Smith. Really, any of these players, like I said, just because I've talked about them all before. And it's episode four, I do believe, if you want to go check that out. It's a great episode. But Steve Smith probably the not no not probably the best panther's receiver of all time a player that i've loved watching and he just always it seemed like he always found a way to get it done and then <coughs> excuse me probably the most entertaining post game interviews of all time number 6 who i will talk about less than anyone champ bailey Broncos is who he played for, classic Chargers rivalry, although now it seems to be more of the Chiefs, but that's just because the Chiefs have been more successful recently, but the reason, like I said in a previous episode, that I like the guy as much as I do is because of the fact that I got to see him play so much because of what he did to Vincent Jackson on the Chargers. He was locked down, he was awesome, and it it was incredible to see the way that he would cover, and Another thing that I actually think I left out in the other episode that I loved about him is you would see a lot of the times that he would drop at coverage, like he would be on somebody and he would immediately drop. It's like he always knew where the quarterback was going to throw before the quarterback knew where the quarterback was going to throw, and he just seemed to always be in the right place at the right time, which was really cool. Number five, this is the one guy who was not in my Chargers list. I had to cut him out. It was between this guy and another guy, and he didn't get it. Antonio Gates, number five. Phillip Rivers' favorite target of all time. I I know him and Phillip are top three in quarterback tight end touchdowns. I don't know where they are. Probably behind Brady and Gronk at number two, if I were to guess. But went undrafted. Has one of the best stories you'll ever hear. I mean, there's lots of stories, like players, that'll go undrafted and come to the NFL and they'll be really good. They'll be good players. You know, they'll contribute to their team. But there's not many stories about a player that went undrafted and goes on to be one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Top five, for sure. And Antonio Gates really did that. <laughs> I mean, he really, really did that. So props to Antonio Gates for being one of the greatest tight ends of all time, having an incredible success story and working hard, and being Philip Rivers' favorite target of all time, which is the biggest reason that he is in the spot here that he is. Number four, another player whose card collection I have a lot of, Keenan Allen. I, I loved him coming out of college. I didn't think the Chargers were going to get him. I said, that guy's going to be good. He fell. The Chargers selected him, and I stocked up on his rookie cards. <laughs> that That's pretty much the story, and he's panned out to be great. I think he's a top two route runner. Normally, I would have said he's the best route runner, but Devontae Adams, I think uh, – Took that spot this year, so I'll give him number two, just be, to be brutally honest about how phenomenal Devontae Adams was this year. But he's still awesome, and he gets open, and he's going to continue to be an incredible target for Justin Herbert and helping him develop. Number Number one through three, I'll talk about less than anyone because these three guys all have got large explanations of why I like them in previous episodes. Number three, Michael Vick. The classic escape artist QB. Got away from everyone, could throw bombs, and just seemed like he was impossible to tackle. <laughs> number two, LT, Ladanian Tomlinson. Just probably the first player I was exposed to is in football. And then I started watching him. I saw how great he was. There, there's not a lot to say. The only thing is that it's a shame he never got a ring. Same as number one in Phillip Rivers, who you all knew was coming Philip Rivers my massive massive card collection that I have more of anyone you know uh love the way he talks southern guy he went to NC State which is relatively close and just just a player that I I think it's really hard to hate Philip Rivers or even dislike Philip Rivers because hate's a strong word it's just hard to look at Philip Rivers and be like ah, god guy. I can't stand that guy like he's just so entertaining good genuine guy and he's funny. He's he's funny. <laughs> uh, I miss Philip Rivers. I wish he could have got himself a ring before he retired. But it's just the way that it pans out for some guys, him and LT both. But that is my top 30 NFL player list. I feel like I definitely forgot some people because it just seems like there should have been more 2010 type of guys. Um I'm happy with the way it turned out because I got to include, like, the Saquons and the Jamal Adams, and the Kyler would have made it regardless, but players like that I'm really happy to see on this list, and I can't wait to make this again in a couple of years and see Kyler crack the top 10. That's going to be really cool, but I hope you guys have made it this far. Again, check out the Twitter. I'm going to try to post updates on there about what we're planning for previous episodes. We're definitely going to have some special stuff going on, not Thursday, but the week after. I'm not really sure what we're going to be in those episodes, what I'm going to have in those episodes. But we are going to have guests, so they should pan out really well. I'm going to try my best to make us have some interesting topics, and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you guys can tune in. Again, thank you for making this far. I love you guys, and I'm out of here.